0: Hi, this is presenter Crystal DiNapoli, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Indigenuity, a weekly radio show hosting conversations with Indigenous knowledge holders showcasing all forms of Indigenous ingenuity. Indigenuity is broadcast live on Triple R each Sunday afternoon. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website or Twitter at IndigenuityAU. So I wanted to give an update on a threat that we are th- um, a threat that is facing Sky Country, which we have sort of discussed in the past, but I guess not ever to this extent, and especially not with what's happening recently, because this uh, this threat um, is just ever increasing, uh, and it is uh, of course uh, mega constellations. So, I'll explain a bit about what mega constellations are, but I just want to reiterate that really st- important foundation of acknowledging that Aboriginal knowledge systems are really fundamentally interconnected. And as such, our sky country above tells us so much that we need to understand about the world we live in. The skies act as a seasonal calendar for many different nations with very complex seasonal systems. It's it's not just some sort of, oh, all right, we break it into four and then we start it on the first day of that month. No, these are seasons which are motivated by environmental factors as well as the positions of stars. Um, The sky country helps us in navigating very vast distances, being able to orient ourselves, but also having literal star maps in the skies, which are collections of stars that trace important routes that we actually find literally on the land, which many have uh, gone to actually make the foundation of a lot of the highways in which you're probably driving on as you listen to this. Uh, Sky Country tells us everything. Most importantly, it's usually uh, cycles in our animal behavior and our food sources, like from plants, as well as some animal um, cycles. So Sky Country is very, very important. And so in this way, I feel like the skies actually serve as our library. We have these stars, which are essentially our books, and when we can see them, we can, inc- we can essentially connect with that information, those stories that are encoded within these stars. And so as we continue to hide our skies through increasing artificial light pollution, which I spoke about a couple of weeks ago, and also through the launching of these thousands of these satellites, we are continuing to hide our library and risk the continuity of Aboriginal knowledge systems with a strong connection to sky country. So, for a bit of an explanation as to what mega constellations are, they are arrangements of many low Earth orbit satellites. Um, and they tend to be very reflective and quite bright, uh, which together, especially in the number of them that there are, they create these artificial constellations in the sky. So, I've seen these for myself over Melbourne. I'm quite a homebody, so I probably would have seen them a bit more if I left the house a bit more often, um, but I've seen them over Melbourne and it is really, oh, it, it's, a, it's a sight to behold um, if you've never seen them before because uh, I found out because one of my siblings called me sort of uh, a bit concerned from our hometown, worried that maybe there was an alien invasion because there were just these you know bright objects, uh, one after the other, these UFOs essentially crossing, passing over the sky in a a single line. And at first, um, they're really, really close together. And then some of the last ones were a bit more spaced apart. And so they call me from hours away, hundreds of kilometers away. And I go outside and check and I can see the exact same effect happening. And that's how I learned that Starlink existed and that these mega constellations are something in which we are moving towards. And the thing is, the situation has gotten a lot more... (laughs) I was going to say stressful. Look, it's stressful for me. Okay, look, if this the situation has got a lot more serious and a lot more high risk, In honestly, just even in the last year alone. Um, so these satellites tend to be launched uh, for an orbit that's much closer to Earth for a few reasons. Uh, some of the main ones being that it reduces the energy required to get into orbit. So it's a bit more practical to, if you can achieve similar objectives or even better objectives by having it closer down, that's a motivating factor. As well as, depending on the aims of the satellites, you can usually improve your geospatial accuracy and also the performance of sensors and other instruments on board. So at present, taking into account all satellites, not just these mega-constellation low-Earth orbit satellites, we apparently have approximately 4,500 of these orbiting Earth. And so I, I don't know whether that seems like a lot to you or less than you would expect, The main point of this number is that it's a number that is growing at an exponential scale unlike anything we've seen before. This has never happened to our skies before and it has me concerned for a number of reasons. So much of this growth has actually been attributed to companies like SpaceX with these satellites. Currently, SpaceX has apparently 2,300 or 2,300 of these satellites currently in orbit, so they almost make up half of what we have. And look, this is all the information I found through NASA as well as other reputable websites, but if I'm wrong... Oh my God, like, let me know. But I've I've done a lot of research into this. So I am speaking as hopefully as accurate as I believe I can be. And so unfortunately, many, many more companies and agencies other than SpaceX around the world are now organizing launches of their own. They have reasons as to why they think these satellites are very important. Um, Sp- uh, Starlink, it's predominantly to be able to give internet access around the world. And so I understand there's like two sides to sort of every predicament. And I think that there's a noble uh, goal within what Starlink is trying to do, but um, they, <laughs> but still, uh, as I'll explain, it's it's such a concerning situation. And even though I think there has to be a middle ground, or even less of a middle ground, something that's really pulled back of a way that we can continue to offer those services, um, but at the same time, not risk oh, risk the health of our atmosphere. I'll I'll get into the reasons. Okay, I don't want to jump ahead too quickly, but I've I've outlined my reasons as to why I'm concerned. So um, unfortunately, there's not really anything in place internationally or globally to regulate the number of satellites that are being launched or by who's really doing them. Um, there are not really any guidelines on how to best reduce the impact that these satellites are making towards uh, like contributing to light pollution and stuff. These these satellites are very bright and reflective. We already have four or well, 2,300 two, two of these ones from Starlink, um, but the number that they're aiming to do is many, many magnitudes higher than this. And so, this is going to be a very noticeable artificial change to our night skies. So essentially, I have four issues that I see with them myself. Um, so one, which is I've just sort of stated, I'm concerned that they are contributing to light pollution and artificially altering our skies, which as an astronomer really sucks because they're already destroying like the observations of astronomers around the world. And this is just with the small amount that we have now because we are in the baby stages, but the plans are much bigger. Um, And also risking the cultural continuity with our connection as Indigenous peoples around the world, with sky country above us, what it can tell us about our knowledge systems, and the fact that this is a very quick, possibly very permanent, very risky um, change to the skies that is being done without any consideration for the way it could impact any other culture around the world that has a connection with the skies. So I just feel like as scientists, quite often, we tend to think we have this objective sort of perspective and truth. And um, proceed with certain technologies with a lot of enthusiasm where it can cause a lot of harm. And it wouldn't be the first time that um, scientists have almost destroyed the world, being very excited about technology and then later realizing, oh, crap, our our ozone layer is gone. You know, like it's, it's not it's so, you know, I'm in that state of concern. So two, to give a bit of a bit more of an explanation as to why this is concerning, the thing that I'm concerned about is the amount of satellites that are being launched. I think it's rather unsustainable and quite shocking for me, and I think might be shocking for most. So currently we have 4,500 satellites in orbit. As I said, SpaceX has already launched 2,300 of these low-Earth orbit um, satellites. But, the, but, but between companies like Starlink, OneWeb, Kuiper, SatNab, Satnet and eSpace, and these are just five companies. And I promise you, there are so many more agencies, even government orgs, like that want a hand in this type of technology. They those five companies currently have plans to put around four hundred thousand up into orbit in the next decade or so. We have four and a half thousand currently, and we already sort of have some some sort of issues with that. And they are looking to increase this by a crazy magnitude to end up with 400,000 in the sky. That's just these five companies, and I promise you there are many more that want to, uh, many more players across the world who also see this as an area that they need to dive into. So um, so studies are already indicating that untracked debris will lead to potentially dangerous or on-orbit collisions on a pretty regular basis due to the large n- number of these satellites within these, uh, I guess we call them like orbital shells. So essentially being in the same sort of region of and atmospheric. oh, Being in the same region of a low Earth orbit around Earth, we run the risk of collisions occurring, especially as we increase the number by a crazy amount. The size of the satellites in these constellations uh, contribute to the risk of impacts, um, also with meteorites and not just within each other. Um, And one of the things that I'm most concerned about is whether these impacts, whether they be with like meteorite or meteoroid objects coming through the atmosphere or whether it's just with one another, like one satellite crashing into another, it leaves me very concerned that we could possibly have a Kessler syndrome occurrence. And so for a bit of background on what the Kessler syndrome is, because I think it's so fascinating, it's a theory that was proposed around 45 years ago by a NASA scientist called Donald Kessler. And it describes how, um, I guess, the capability of two different colliding objects um, hitting each other in space and their ability to generate more debris from that impact. And the thing is, this Kessler syndrome then goes on to say how this debris will then most likely interact with other objects, making more collisions, which will then produce even more debris. It's a domino effect, a butterfly effect. Like These things, essentially one collision leading to many, many, many more until our atmosphere is completely... Uh, polluted with space debris, which is <laughs> very difficult to try and get out of space, especially safely. Uh, so essentially, this is uh, we run the risk of debris forming on an exp- exponential um, sort of rate. Just, yeah. So um, this debris can prevent us from actually launching off of Earth's surface safely in future. So something like this happening, it's exciting running to new future technologies, but it could actually put a stop to any type of space exploration or anything that anyone had any hopes to do. Um, It can also damage a lot of our pre-existing satellites, which would be terrible for people on Earth as they often aid in navigation um, as well as important communication services uh, to lose, to have a disruption to um, our satellite system would have pretty serious impact on Earth for people. I don't really want to imagine the fallout of that. And according to the ESA Space Environment Report of twenty twenty two, we currently have around thirty thousand pieces of debris in orbit around Earth. So we have four and a half thousand satellites already, and we already have thirty thousand pieces of space debris. And These five companies want to launch a total of around 400,000 up, and we have many other companies wanting to do more. So I hope you can start to see why this is concerning to me and why I think that we need to be talking about it a lot more and bringing awareness to people who don't usually probably care to look into what's happening with space or what's happening with any sort of space focused companies, um, which is why I'm bringing it up. Because this is something that's going to impact all of us and our own connection to the sky. Um, And we're not part of the conversation. You as a listener, me as a broadcaster, as an Aboriginal astronomer, we're not part of the conversation. But this um, will impact all of us. So my third point um, is that I'm concerned about how there aren't really – look, I don't have a lot of confidence in the methods for ensuring that people on Earth are actually safe from returning debris. A lot of the debris is untracked, especially – yeah, a lot of the debris is untracked, essentially. Even satellites that you would think would be – Have pretty clear tabs on them. Recently, we actually had a SpaceX satellite, one of these satellites, one of these satellites from Mega Constellations, actually crashing down on a farm in New South Wales. And this isn't something anyone got a warning of. This is something that people discovered a huge object upright smacked into the ground like it's crazy. It must have been going at such a fast velocity to be able to make – to be on the, the uh, orientation that it is. If you see the photos of it, I, like, I encourage Googling it if you have the ability. Um, it is ridiculous and also terrifying. It's, it's bigger than a human person and um, is upright on an angle that you, you would assume would lose balance, and that's just showing you how far into the Earth it is driven through that collision. So often the way satellites actually complete their life cycles is by simply falling back down to Earth. SpaceX's method of removing these satellites is just the same. It's said to be, what they do is they start a high drag mode. So drag is like friction up in the atmosphere. And so it causes the satellites to really slow down quickly. And that's actually what makes them fall out of orbit. Because really, satellites are just constantly falling around the Earth, but at a safe enough height that they just keep going around. And so that's the way that we get them out, is slowing them down and having them drop. Which you can imagine... um, The fact that this already happened with a SpaceX satellite in Australia, just, you know, sort of close to home for us, without any warning for the people, you know, very lucky that no one got injured. Um, I don't have a lot of confidence that these companies are going to be able to track the hundreds of thousands of satellites very well. So another concern is for people on people on Earth. Um and then my my fourth um my fourth reason that I'm concerned about this is something that I hadn't actually thought about until I started doing a bit of research and reading on it for this segment. Um because the presence of these apparently according according to a paper that I've read the uh the presence of these satellites or at least a high number of these satellites in the atmosphere will actually impact the composition and the health of our atmosphere which is something that we've discussed heaps particularly Given the current state of the world, the fact that um, a human impact on our atmosphere has led to climate change around the world and extreme weather events, which we're unfortunately seeing a lot of the impact of right now, um, we don't really want to be messing with the atmosphere any further. So there's a paper by Boley and Byers, which is called Satellite Megaconstellations Create Risks in Low Earth Orbit, the Atmosphere and on Earth, um, which explored the consequence of these satellites in our atmosphere, and one of the examples that they pointed out is that during satellite re-entries from like the Starlink mega constellations and others, um, they could actually apparently deposit more aluminum into Earth's upper atmosphere than what is done through meteorites passing through currently. So this is something that I wouldn't have even considered as a concern. Uh, I feel like probably most of us <laughs> um, haven't. Uh, but it, this means that with the number of satellites, that apparently this could become the dominant source of aluminium up in high-altitude areas. So this is just one example. They give a whole paper on all the types of examples, but this is just one of them. And the reason this is significant is because human-driven depositing of aluminium or aluminium in the atmosphere has actually been proposed um, in the past um, in the context of something called geoengineering. So they had the idea of, hey, if we actually manually put aluminium in the atmosphere, we could actually alter the Earth's albedo. And the Earth's albedo is essentially um, the Earth's reflectivity of how much light is being sent down to Earth and how much is actually being sent back up into space. So a high albedo, you know, you'd get from, like, white surfaces, like, say, like, you know, something covered in snow. And not a lot of that light or heat is going to be absorbed. It's going to be reflected away. But if it's very dark, black, you know, like we've all heard that, you wear black in the sun, you get hotter. Essentially, um, increasing an albedo could be quite handy in terms of combating things like climate change and high temperatures. But these studies that have looked into it have actually apparently been very scientifically controversial um, and they've encountered a lot of opposition in the scientific community. So mega constellations are going to begin this uncontrolled experiment of something that scientists have already said, let's not do that. So look, there's a a fourth reason I didn't have when I started um, researching this that I can now add into my list of why we should be aware and concerned about what's happening in terms of mega constellations in the atmosphere. So... um, I just think there's a lot that needs to be taken into consideration about this technology and the way in which we use it. I'm sure there's a lot of promise there, but I'm just so concerned. When I was writing about this for our book, um, the book which is called Astronomy Sky Country, which I co-authored with another Gomorrah astronomer called Carly Noon, the numbers we were looking at is that like SpaceX wants to uh, launch 40,000 in the next 10 years. and I was like, oh, that is absurd. That is scary. But then to have the recent company, which is called eSpace, go, hey, we want 300,000 and to know that there are so many other players who are going, no, this is very important for us for X or Y reason. I think all of us as just you know, casual people need to be aware that this is happening um, and hopefully can put some pressure to uh, lead to some type of reform and some type of serious <laughs> contemplation of what we're doing, especially to be able to regulate this because I don't personally understand how we could – I don't understand how <laughs> any of these companies could uh, be able to launch this many satellites up around earth um, when there is a lot of risks involved. And it just seems like many individual people can do what they want at this point. So uh, that's my little rant for today. Um, I, if you're interested, I honestly, I encourage you to uh, search up and learn a bit more about mega constellations and their impact. Um, it's something I'm going to continue to watch closely so you can be uh, Bet anything that um you'll probably hear an update in future in this sort of space, but hopefully an update that says that things are getting better and that we're sort of on a trajectory up. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Indigenuity, a weekly radio show hosting conversations with Indigenous knowledge holders showcasing all forms of Indigenous ingenuity. Indigenuity is broadcast live on Triple R every Sunday afternoon. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website or Twitter at indigenuityau.